Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I am joined by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, fam? How we doing? What's up? Hello. <laughs> Hello. I love that, Sean, you always just kind of are polite and wait for the other two to jump in, and then you always usually start things off with a with a hearty giggle. And it just, it gets me, it gets me in the podcasting mood. It makes me feel uplifted. It's like, oh, great. I get to talk to my friends now. This is going to be fantastic. So before I even ask anyone a question, I simply just have to say, thank you, sir. No problem, Brass. That's what I'm here for, moral support. That's right. It certainly isn't for great Magic the Gathering content. It's moral support. Oh, I don't have any of that. No, not a single (laughs) bit of it. But luckily, some of the other people on this podcast do have a a smidgen of it. But before we get into it, I want to know how their weeks in Magic were. So, Caroline... How was your week in magic? Uh, my week in magic was pretty great. Um, this past weekend was pre-release weekend, which um, if you don't know me, I sort of love. It's kind of the casual learning to play magic part of me that never left. So um, I definitely have attended midnight pre-releases before. I've um, taken unique modes of transportation to different pre-releases in the past. I've gone on like a little boat to go to a pre-release and, you know, just various stories. So this time I took uh, like an hour long bus ride to go stay with some friends about an hour outside of town. Um, We hit up two different pre-releases, one on Friday night and one on Saturday morning. I had a blast. Unfortunately, the store, super nice casual based store. Uh, They all love to play magic, unfortunately. So we actually played five rounds uh, both in both tournaments, the the Friday night one had enough people to play six rounds, uh, but we vetoed that by yelling at the the store very kindly. We're like, please don't make us stay here till two a.m. Please. Um, so we played a I played a lot of a lot of magic with some locals, and um, one thing I really love is just how excited, like the twelve year old kid who's out late on a Friday was given 10 bucks by mom and dad so I already bought all the sugar in the world and just opened that alternate art Thassa and just told the entire room in this just pure voice of excitement it was like that that thing is why magic is great to everybody and I I personally really liked it um but yeah unfortunately it is a little challenging sometimes to play against more casual players um the phrase I learned the most that annoys me <laughs> as a spike is in response. Um, in response <laughs> is a very common phrase for newer slash casual players. They basically are telling you like, I want to do something to your thing. Uh, but unfortunately in response means very different things to a ca- to a spike, uh, to a more competitive player. And so it was hard for me to turn that off and be like, what do you mean in response? My creature's not on the battlefield yet. You can't kill it. <laughs> so um, obviously I didn't make them kill something else, but um, it was it was very cute. Like if I would play a creature, I, I, I once I played a flyer on turn four or whatever, and my opponent goes, in response, plummet. And I was like, okay, sure. I was mad they had plummet, so... <laughs> It was just very, it was, it was fun. And like, there were definitely ways that I could leave t- um, it being tilted and upset, but I didn't, I, I had a good time. You got to leave the, leave the spike at home sometimes, especially when you're at a pre-release, right? That's just kind of, everyone's kind of coming together just to enjoy the new cards, learn a new set. Some people really good at the game. Some people not so much. Some people just wish they they pull a full art mythic and then they get to show everybody. By the way, doesn't matter if that kid's twelve. I would I, I opened a foil Karn, uh, uh, was it the Karn the Great Creator on War of the Spark, and I was basically also the twelve year old boy. I just kept going around to people, just being like, "Hey, hey, look what I got! Look what I got!" So, you want to trade for this? You yeah, trade for this? right. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Okay, hold on. If, if anyone says at the store like you want to trade for this, the the like four twelve year olds, you're not allowed to trade until the end of the tournament. <laughs> no matter what, because obviously it sounded like that's happened in the past, right? Like kids have traded with each other and then gotten in trouble, and Uh-oh. so. When kids get in trouble for rules, they're also really good at enforcing those rules going forward. And so no matter what happened, they would always say, you can't do it until the end of round five. It was very cute. Some poor kid probably traded for a card and put it into his limited deck. Yeah, I I assume that. I'm going to start a uh, competitive, uh, very, very spikish tournament with one caveat. 
all the proceeds will go to charity, and your judges at your tables are all middle schoolers. And so anytime you do anything that is against the rules, even if they aren't, aren't really totally familiar with it, they're going to have that kind of attitude just the whole time. It's be like, no, you know, no, you picked up two cards instead of one. Like, you know, I- that's really funny. I taught a, a couple years ago, a lot of my kids at the after school care program were super into Pokemon. And I had, I'd been playing magic for a little bit. I understood how magic worked. I'd been some, some tournaments. I'd been to some tournaments and the kids would bicker with each other. Like Brasky, it wasn't just that they wanted to enforce the rules. They really wanted to enforce the rules when it affected them personally. And so they weren't actually very good judges. They were kind of terrible because they would just yell at each other. <laughs> so instead, I taught them the concept of, of judge, of like in a magic tournament, when you when you have a dispute with your opponent, as they say, your opponent never has your best interest at heart. So I taught them the idea of, of calling a judge, which was me, which is ridiculous because I knew nothing about Pokemon. But <laughs> basically, they there were just like 10 kids in this room every day after school playing Pokemon and just yelling judge every time they had a dispute. And it was really cute it was really really cute i could just picture all of a sudden you being the judge and then all of a sudden it's like well they all banded together to hate me because i was the one disappointing them constantly <laughs> no, just, just in there has to look up all the rules doesn't know how pokemon works i mean i, don't I know just made it, it up i mean <laughs> yeah. they're 10 they don't know <laughs> yeah yes no this card uh this card jumps over this card which means you get the other card just like chinese checkers and then, uh, and then you have to king him, and then that's that's how that entire conversation would have gone. Well, considering we've only heard from Caroline and how her week's gone, because we have amazing stories about everything, and I even I want to go back to the different modes of transportation to pre-releases, but that's a different podcast. Conan, how was your week in Magic? Um, are very different from Caroline's, I guess. So I I am uh, I don't know. I guess uh, some would describe me as a curmudgeon when it comes to the to the pre-release things because I, I haven't really done pre-releases since they've gotten rid of the... like They used to do a giant singular pre-release uh, for your area and basically only one store got to run the pre-release. So it ended up being, you know, like two, 300 people essentially at a store, um, like a huge, huge tournament and you would play, you know, uh, something like seven, eight rounds cut to top eight and then you'd play off from there and then you you like win like a like the winner of it would win like several boxes if not like a case of magic uh of the new product and stuff like that and um obviously for i i think for magic i think the the new form of the pre-release is much much better for magic because you know uh the you know like where if you win a, just a couple games you win some stuff where this one was like more winner take all and um that's that's a lot more fun for people that are not like myself like not super spiky um so i just stayed at home and played arena um but i mean that's i'm like not saying that you shouldn't go out and play players i'm just saying that uh, for me personally they're not my thing so just played some arena played a bunch of standard brews and um you know it was it was fun um but i i've been doing a lot of losing recently on ladder and it's mostly because i've just been seeing how all the new cards work and seeing if there's any cool synergies. And um, yeah, I mean, like I kind of go through this process at the beginning of every format where I just play like a bunch of cool interactions and figure out if there's anything that's really, really good in those interactions. And so far the answer has been kind of no, the, 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 the cards that are good are just kind of like really good. And the interactions that are kind of neat are neat, but not good enough, really. So would you say that, uh, I mean, it, it sounds to me that you're going to be playing some real high-stakes magic games at some point. You're talking about people winning cases of things. I just imagine you, like, walking in, like, an alleyway and just sitting there, and you go up to one guy, and you give him the special password, and you're just being like, hey, listen, I'm here for the high-stakes game. And you come down and do a pre-release like that where it's like, great, how, how'd it go? Well, I won uh, two booster boxes of Theros. Um, my buddy lost a pinky you know that's how that's how that goes sometimes because that's that's just that's that's in my impression from my limited knowledge um that's what spikes are right that's exactly what they are yeah well i mean like is are that those not the stakes that you have at your local game stores (laughs) like i thought that's just like that was common well, yes, but usually it's for like, you know, clue, real high stakes competitive clue. <laughs> oh, well, it started off with rock, paper, scissors. Always um, does. It always but then does. We, mo- we moved on from then. 
Well, besides, to be fair, if you get any magic player that uh, you you could probably get people to do that for dice rolls with real magic players because magic players love rolling <laughs> dice again for no reason. <laughs> we used to like do like dice rolls for like it was like dice rolls or coin flips for like for like twenties, and then it would like yeah. by the end of the night, someone was trying to win their money back, and it was like for hundreds. It's <laughs> like what is going on? Uh, definitely, why are we doing this? Definitely outside of like an F and M. Definitely went to the side of the building, rolled dice for dollar bills about seven years ago. So, <laughs> not the highest part point in my life. <laughs> well, how was this past week for you in Magic? Was this a high point in your life, or did you get back into your degenerate uh, gambling habits? <laughs> no gambling. It was kind of a spooky weekend or spooky weekend. We were supposed to get like fourteen inches of snow. Um, so I was like really worried that I wasn't going to be able to go out or anything. Um, so it like snowed like eight inches or something like that on Friday. So I just planned on not going out at all. And then unrelated to magic, I got up Saturday morning to like go run errands and my car just like wouldn't start cause it was so cold. So I couldn't do anything. I was intending to go to a pre-release, but I didn't get to do it. Yeah, I mean, overall, my week was fine. I played a lot of standard, kind of like Hawk is doing standard brews, played a couple different decks on stream, um, mainly focusing on modern because I have my WNPQ this week. So um, that's coming up in on Sunday this week. So I'm just getting ready for that. Nothing too crazy. Didn't really get to do any limit, unfortunately, because of the weather. Well, for all that we've talked about it, I want to know, what is everybody's first impressions of Theros Beyond Death? Um, I've, been, I've been like watching a lot of it. I've been playing a ton of it. And the my initial impression is that like the old decks are still good. Um, so like if you've played your you know your John Sacrifice decks, your your Cavalier of Flame Fires decks, um, those decks Black are Red. still very very solid. Yeah, your your Black Red Sacrifice because Caroline is uh, loving that deck. Um, but I think that hopefully will change not necessarily to make them bad, but other things will kind of like rise to the top as or like at least come close to them. Um, but I think right now, like you, like, you know, you have like your newcomers, like your mono black devotion decks, you, um, maybe like an old take on an, or a new take on an old deck, which is like Esper hero, uh, black, white or blue, white control, stuff like that. The doom foretold decks, those decks, because they haven't been like really ironed out completely are having like a hard time, like competing with like your fires, with your John sacrifices, with the decks that you know, you know, all the decks are all the pieces are good and you don't really have to change anything. Um, so that's just been my initial impression is like, I've noticed that there's some cards that are standing out and they're like very, very splashy and they're cool. And, but when you get to the top, it, it, it is more the tried and true. And um, I'm just like hoping that in, you know, like a, the, the coming weeks that we get to see the more splashy, cool cards kind of like, start to take over so i have a question okay there is a card that is missing from basically every deck i've seen including your ranking list and i don't understand i don't remember the day it left standard but i don't understand why it left edgewall innkeeper well when did the... it leave and why did it leave and why is it so bad <laughs> To be fair, I think the reason that it left, and I think, so, like, green-black sacrifice was, like, really, or not, sorry, sacrifice, green-black adventures was the uh, the last time that we really saw Edgewall Innkeeper, besides maybe, like, a splash with the Bant Adventures deck. Yeah, I, I would argue um, Bant Adventures was the last time we saw it. Like, Crokey's made that, that deck a thing-ish. Yeah, and, like, I, I think the real thing that killed Edgewall Innkeeper, in my mind, was uh, the banning of Once Upon a Time. Because, like, mm -hmm. right now, like, you just, like, the problem with a lot of those decks and why Croaky's deck, I think, actually ended up being the better, the, quote, better version of these adventure decks is that Croaky's also had, like, Nissa plus Hydra Crisis. He had the Edgewall Innkeeper plus the adventure spells or the adventure creatures, I should say. But, like, once Once Upon a Time was gone, like, I was playing the Green-White Adventures deck, you just couldn't have these, like, high-impact hands anymore. Because you could only keep hands that were Edge Walling Keeper or Venerated Loxodon with the green-white deck. And then same with like the green-black deck. You needed either a high-power creature, something like a nice curve, all that stuff. Or you needed Edge Walling Keeper. And without like Once Upon a Time, I felt like those decks just lost a lot of their punch. And I'm kind of seeing that with the new Setessians champion. I think I'm saying that right. Where like the constellation matters. Is you you have like one or two really high-impact like, you know, cards but the other cards that you're playing around it aren't as impactful. 
but a little less so than the adventure creatures versus like the enchantments because the enchantments are still pretty good where like a lot of the adventure creatures that you were playing weren't very good like you had like you know the the three one that like bounces a creature or bounces a permanent you control to your hand or it's a three one for two or you're playing like flax and intruder like those cards are like not cards you would register otherwise and so without edgewall and keeper always in your opener it just like kind of fell flat a lot of the times yeah that's interesting to me i played against it today and was like oh hey buddy <laughs> forgot forgot about you eddie oh look at you Where? Where you been? And then I killed it with my um, uh, mayhem devil. Mayhem devil. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like so calling him Eddie. Does a really good job at that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I missed you. Boom, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> I like calling him Eddie. I wonder if that's his actual name. And like, does he have a family? Like in the inn that he has, like, is that his main business? Oh, he definitely use... raised the kids in the in the inn, mm-hmm. like uh... Sweet Life Zach and Cody style. <laughs> like they're just running around. <laughs> Running around causing a, a ruckus. In this innkeeper situation, I imagine a bar, like a tavern from D&D. So it's like a bar area in the bottom. And then on the top floor is like the rooms that you can buy from the barkeep. That's what I imagine he runs. The one thing I noticed, though, from, from Conan Hawk, what you were talking about, is people trying to beat, you know, the decks that were, you know, tier one or, you know, the top of the, the, top of the, the tier list in Magic. And... When you are first playing a set, so like Theros Beyond Death comes out, you're looking at all the decks you want to play. You get your deck brew together. You put it all together. You queue into a match. And then the very first game you run into is someone playing a fully fleshed out Jun Sacrifice oh, deck that has no oh, cards I, in it. Oh, I got you. Fam, I, I got a great story about this. Wow. Hit me, Hit me with it. That was, a gr- that was a great transition. So uh, on the weekend, on Friday, I actually forgot. No, it wasn't Friday. It was Thursday. That's why I forgot. So last week on Thursday, I somehow found my way into this like test tournament it was like a friend friend of the team was trying to get just enough people to test this new like software or i guess like web software that they were working on um and so sogoy had had got people to join including eric and then there were some other people like notable names in the community that were testing it and uh, i wanted to submit something cool so i submitted mono black devotion uh and I messaged Eric because Eric was in the tournament too. And I was like, wow, the people that were, you know, we could be playing against are pretty cool. Uh, like there's some, you know, some world champions and just some cool names in here. And, he, and you know, he agreed. And then we get pa- we get pairings for round one and we're all excited. And we're trying to learn the software and try to figure out how it works. And it, I just like click on the thing and eventually I get to the, your opponent for this round is Eric Hawkins. And I was like, what the heck? This is stupid. So I was messaging Eric. We were trying to get it working. And one thing that Eric didn't do that he didn't realize he had to do was he didn't submit a deck list. So I had submitted my mono black devotion. We managed to figure out our arena things and we're, we're, we're ready. We're in a game. And he's, I still don't know what he's playing and he won't answer my messages. And I'm like, this is so stupid. We're playing some casual tournament and he won't tell me the deck list is not fair. Anyway, long story short is he was playing uh jumped sacrifice. Like basically, did you even have new cards? Yeah, I had uh, Nightmare Shepherd and Woe Reaper, and then Woe uh, Strider. Thank Woe you. Woe Strider. Woe Strider. <laughs> and even though we didn't, it was best of one. I did have agonizing remorse in my sideboard. Um, but the other oh, yeah. thing is, is in in <laughs> my defense, in my defense, I didn't know that we didn't we didn't submit deck lists, so I didn't know that I had access to your deck list. I told so I you just, in the chat, I told you in our private DMs, I said, I'm playing mono black. What are you playing? And then you ignored me. <laughs> well, because I didn't see the message. <laughs> so like I didn't know that you were playing mono black until we were already playing. Jeez, you win one MIQ okay. and you think the rules don't apply to you. <laughs> so no, seriously. Okay, here's the, okay. So first of all, we do like a tournament match. And then we realized halfway through that it was supposed to be best of one. So we both message each other and we like, okay, we agree we're playing only best of one. So we're playing, we're playing, and I'm playing um uh, mono black and basically i have like a bit of a, a combination of cards that you know work well together and i'm actually grinding through most of eric's deck and <laughs> i think i'm winning like i legitimately like yeah like this is great like mono black so great i love devotion and i didn't think about my ayara i had ayara ayara which like drains when a black creature enters and also you can sack a black creature to draw a card and then I also had Nightmare Shepherd, which gives you a token. So I had Gary, and I didn't realize what I could have done is like played Gary earlier to like 
sack of Tayara to get double Garys. Um, but I was like still working. It was still going great. And then Eric just casts five mana. He he has face-up cards. I know all the cards in his hand except the card he drew for turn. And he draws Massacre Girl <laughs> and just destroys me. And from there, he obviously pulls ahead and he wins. And I was so mad. And so I look because he finally posts his deck list and it just has one Massacre Girl in the whole deck. That's how, that's <laughs> how you... That's how you always draw it on time. I was one, so mad. Because he didn't tell me what he was playing, didn't show me his deck list, and the one card I had to play around was a one copy of. Okay. To be fair, though, the if, I, if it was a one of, would you play around it? That's no, the other thing. <laughs> okay, I, mis- I misheard that for a second because I thought what you said is, oh, afterwards, Eric sent me his deck list, and it was one card only, and just he just sent oh. me a photo of Massacre Girl saying, there's my deck. He just sent a Massacre Girl that image. That would be so <laughs> that, that would have been then, the best deck list ever. So we're figuring out how to work the system, and we get, you know, we submit our results, and then we get round two pairings. And round two goes, you're playing against Eric Hawkins. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I just played against Eric. I don't want to play Eric again. This is so stupid. So I thought, so Eric thought it was a typo. So he submitted the, the result of our previous match and just said he won. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> this is so unfair. I mean, <laughs> he, I did win, right? So like, he, I mean... he deleted <laughs> So he deleted that and we played again because we, we messaged the tournament organizer and they did confirm, unfortunately, that's one of the things they're going to fix. But yes, we were paired. Um, so we played again and this time I won because he didn't draw the stupid massacre girl. <laughs> Eric, I'm starting to doubt whether you've actually legitimately won any competitive magic event. <laughs> yeah. You, you just keep skirting the true. rules. I mean, you're just <laughs> you're just all over the place, not turning in deck lists and you know, putting glitches in software so you have to play the same opponent over and over again. I mean, I mean my, my, first round the, the, my first round of the MIQ, I, I did play against a buy because my, my opponent, uh, you know, somehow had their... Yeah, uh, Eric rigged his poor power trans, trans, transistor? <laughs> Transformer. Nope. Transformer. Transistor is what I was trying to say. Uh, you made it blow up, Eric. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know... I could have been trying to get better at magic, but really I've been trying to, you know, focusing my transformer bursting powers and I finally got it. I got it to work. It only works on arena though. So like, it doesn't help me in real life. So it's going to be really tough when I, when I get to, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger tournaments, like paper magic. The transformer burst, one of the lesser known superpowers, just like guy who levitates three inches off the ground. Yeah, that's your hoop superhero squad. That's invisible, very helpful. It invisible, it's out. It's true. Invisible person, but only when people aren't looking at you. That one's nice. <laughs> anyway, my point of that, Brasky, is I've been there. I've been trying the new deck, the cool deck, the new things, and then I get bullied mm-hmm. by Massacre Girl. Yep. To, to be fair, cats. though, if you do want to win a tournament, like you know, this week, well, maybe by the time, maybe it's irrelevant by the time this podcast comes out but it like it, in the first week of like a new standard or like the first couple weeks of a new standard you should like there was a challenge on mtgo right and it was won by a white weenie that had zero new cards and the reason that it won in my mind is because when people like first build their deck lists they build them incorrectly right mm-hmm. so they're they're gonna stumble because they didn't put enough lands in their deck or Maybe there's like a couple of bad cards that shouldn't be there, or maybe like some of the synergies aren't quite there, or you know, like they're just gonna mess up stuff because you know that's just what you're gonna have happen, right? So like white weenie, no new cards ended up winning because people just didn't really have the correct deck lists. And like that's like if you want to win a tournament, that's like what I would do until things kind of level off. Oh yeah. I mean, not just like winning a tournament, that's how you like if you want to climb ladder. <laughs> it's just yeah, exactly. within the first six hours, just play a really uh, complete aggro deck, and then sure, everyone's going to hate you for a while, but your rank is going to be fantastic. Like, that's the best way to go. Yeah, then you can just sit on it until the end of the month, right? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, the one thing we're not going to sit on, though, is this topic, because we're moving the discussion on to the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is something that is we've been kind of discussing going back and forth on for a little bit, and uh, it's just kind of talking more about team discussion, about when you what happens when you work with a team or even play in a team event. What, you know, how does that differ in terms of your planning, your execution, how you play the game? 
And uh, Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher, had the chance to play in a really awesome uh, team event, you know, a few weeks ago before uh, before Theros and all the other stuff that came around it. But there were some interesting insights uh, that we kind of wanted to discuss and talk about. And so that's what we're going to do right now is kind of shift it over to Mr. Toolshed and discuss briefly for a long time the team experience. Sean, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess as an overview, I had to play in a team constructed tournament where one person played Legacy, one person played Modern, and the third person played Pioneer. Pioneer was a fairly new format at the time, so we weren't really sure what was going to happen. So in the past, when I played team tournaments, I usually try to stick with people that I've played with either closely or I've traveled with knowing their capabilities um, you know, skill-wise and, like, if I should be able to communicate with them or not. Um, so I picked two f- people who I'm pretty good friends with in the community, and the person playing Legacy was able to play a deck that they were very familiar with uh, in Infect. They had, you know, lots of tournament reps with it in multiple formats. Um, so we had a very strong Legacy player, it seemed like, and then our modern seat had... Um, been playing Tron for a very long time. I know Tron is like, you know, kind of boring to some people. I know Caroline's like fist pumping in the background right now. Um, Tron's, you know, like the boogeyman of the format or whatever, but it's a very good deck as much as people don't like it. Um, So the person playing Tron had been playing Tron for, you know, since the inception of time itself. Uh, And then I was able to play Blue White in Pioneer. You know, I'm we talk about it every week. Everyone makes fun of me for it, but I do play a lot of blue white and I feel very comfortable with that deck. So all three of the players on our team were playing decks that I would call like in their wheelhouse kind of thing where, yeah, there might've been better players that we could have played with. Like I could have, you know, picked some players who maybe were a little bit better magic, but I was felt comfortable with these players in the fact that like I played them before I knew that they were going to pick a good deck. And I'm kind of curious how Hawk you feel about, playing a team tournament in Caroline as well. Like, how do you guys approach team tournaments when, you know, it's like maybe a new format's involved or, like, you're not really 100% sure what the format's going to look like. So I'm just kind of interested in what you guys think of the format, uh, like team events in general. Um, I guess I'll, like, Caroline, or I, I, I can go first. All right. So, like, my my approach to any team tournament, and um, I don't, to be fair, I don't play very many of them anymore. Um, but I, I used to play them a decent amount, but the, the, the biggest thing for me was always just trying to get everybody in their best seat. Um, if, if it's multi-format and I guess like what I mean by that is just like where they feel the most comfortable, where they have the most knowledge, where they would be able to play like a, an, in, where they would like choose to play an individual tournament. And the reason, reason I have for that is like, I am a person that, um, am kind of anti, question or like anti like i guess like discussion during the game there was a i i think it's a tweet that i i was gonna put out but i i never really had put out and maybe i should but basically the way the tweet kind of goes is like you know i i show you a hand and uh it's just my hand and i say like what's the best play and like you know like at that point you're like i i don't know because i like what do you what do you have in play what do you you know so now i show you my board state and it's like now what's the best play and it's like, well, you have the mana to do this, you could do this, and then, but you still don't have enough information, right? And then, so then I finally show you my opponent's side of the board, and then I'm like, what's the best play? And then you can maybe kind of formulate what the best play for, is for that turn, but you also don't know, like, how many cards they have and all that stuff. So then, basically, just, like, keeps giving you more and more information, and the more and more information you get, the better the play you can make, right? And the reason I bring that up is because when I, like, if we're all on a team, and I go, hey, Sean... Uh, I have this, I have this, and what do you, what would you do here? It's like, you haven't been watching this game for three or four turns, right? Like I have, where maybe we're like on the third, fourth turn in the game. And I have information that I've picked up throughout the game. I could tell you, I think they have, you know, I, maybe they have mana leak here. Maybe they have remand here. You know, if we're playing legacy, maybe I, th- I felt like they could have force a will or something, you know, but it's like, but then I'm also taking you away from your game and like your thought mm-hmm. process in your game. So that's why I like having, you know, basically if my if my teammates are are very, very, very comfortable and very, very proficient at what they they, you know, whatever seat they're in, then I feel comfortable in in a team tournament. And that's like where I like where I would like make sure that what my teammates are. 
And then also just like when you do end up playing in a team tournament, like I do like like the idea of just like having the best deck and not trying to metagame because I think a lot of people will just be playing like whatever the best deck is type of thing. So like that that that's that's like basically my like my approach to a team tournament is just like find very very good players if you can, and then play whatever is the you know consensus best deck if the person knows how to play it hopefully, and then just like slot them into the seat that does the best for them. And I know that sounds all very very easy, but I think it's because I want to discourage. I guess like interruptions from your thought process during your own games, I guess. So you like to stay in your lane kind of approach where like I focus on my thing that way I don't get interrupted by you kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to get back into your mindset. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I sure. mean, you, you've just started doing the streaming thing, right? Yeah. It does kind of get in you, get into your head when, you know, like, and I mean, yeah, you should be able to stream and see chat and read and, you know, answer questions. But every once in a while you'll answer a question, you click back and you're like, what the heck was that? What did I what did I do? Why did I play that card? <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, I just like read chat and did stuff and clicked some buttons and all of a sudden I killed the wrong creature with the yeah. wrong spell and you know all that stuff. Yeah, I don't even have to be doing multiple things. I could just be focusing on magic and still do that. Uh Caroline, what do you think? Like how do you I don't know how many team tournaments you get to play, but I mean I'm just kind of curious what you think on how you approach team tournaments in general as well. Uh, so I've played a decent amount of team tournaments and, uh, recently I started reflecting that I've played each team tournament I've played with, I've played with a different team. Um, and that's something I'd like to change. Um, it actually came up recently because there, there is a team Grand Prix this year. They announced it quite recently. And I realized kind of like a bit of a sad, I was like, wow, I I don't actually have a go-to team. Like I'm not. I wasn't sending out a message in, you know, minute one being like, Hey team, you excited? Like I felt like I'm always getting other people to play and it's, I've, I've played like six team grand prix and they've all been different people. And so the one thing I wanted to more focus on was on whether or not, I think your, your personal attitude needs to change when you're playing a team. Like Sean, you're, you sound really excited and you sound like you had a blast and that's super great. But there are some things that change a lot when you play Team Magic, and I think it's how you perceive how you're doing. So I think the the common thing you hear is, oh, our team is, and then you say a bad record, like four and three, or you know, five and two, and you want it to be six, seven and zero oh or whatever. And you say, but I'm, and then you say, you know, six and one or seven and zero oh or something that's obviously better. And while it sounds like Yes, you are that record. Like, yes, you had seven wins um, or whatever. It's not what that tournament is about. Like, it doesn't matter really how well you're doing, unless specifically you're giving, like, deck deck statistics. Like, oh, but my humans deck actually performed in the meta today pretty well. That's maybe okay. But everything else you need to leave at the table. Like, you are three people that are playing together, and your record is your team's record. And that's something that often comes up as people – when they're in a you know a funk with their team they're like oh no we're like we're x and two and we really should have like i was seven and oh we shouldn't be that way um that's just not a good place to be and maybe if that is how you're you know you're perceiving it maybe that team tournament is not that's not where you need to be that at that moment i think um and then the other idea which is a little bit of the same thing but a different coin or a different side is you can't focus too much on the losses like there has been, you know, there will be a moment where somebody loses in a, in a critical part of the t- tournament. And it, it's the same thing. You are a team that lost that round, not just a player. So just because you were the second person, say you were the second loss of the match, that doesn't mean that you lost for your team. Like you lost a game of magic and that's fine. And you should cope with it the same way that you cope whenever you lose. And it shouldn't mean more or less just because it's a team. So it's something that I've been thinking a lot about is like team tournaments may not just be for everyone because it's such a different style. You may be playing with like Sean, where you're playing with two friends, you're all just playing your own game. You're having a blast together, especially in different formats, like pioneer modern and and legacy. That's more common that you'll just get players to it's, you know, magic with friends. But when you're playing things like limited or, you know, team modern or things where 
it's likely the skill set is shared between three people. You do need to like just be a team together and not focus as much on your your own records or you know another player's records. Like I'm seven and zero, but Sean is zero and four. Like always, yeah. <laughs> like you, it's it's a different thing. It's not just sitting down, shuffling your sixty cards and playing Magic. You are you are now tied to two other people, and it, it can be super great. You can be you know tied to someone who is eight and zero, and you're like oh no, I haven't won today and I feel bad. Um, but you're you're playing with them. It doesn't matter. You're just playing as a team. So I, I think that is different and people don't think about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Thanks, Caroline. Do you, in your experience, do you like playing team tournaments more or less or like kind of the same over like just you playing Magic? I prefer team tournaments just because like, like you, I like how you said like Magic with friends. I enjoy that a lot, but I mean... That's just me. I'm also a very talkative and outgoing person, so you? I don't no, know how you no, feel. What? No, what? I know. No. <laughs> I, I laugh nonstop, so I mean, when I play Magic with friends, it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, do you like it more or less, or I'm just curious how you think. So, I, I didn't want to spend too, like, I didn't, I could talk a lot about this. I have played with some teams. The, the thing is, is when I play Magic with people that I don't know very well, um, I stay very positive and I try and please, I try and keep the other people that I'm playing with in a great mood. And that actually takes a big toll on me. Like I usually don't realize until like the Monday or Tuesday after the tournament, like that I actually had a shitty time. Um, this has happened multiple times um, at different, you know, constructed or limited Grand Prix where I spent the whole weekend being the hype person. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay that you got mana screwed. Like, it's fine. Like, let's just keep playing. Like I, I, I take that role as hype person, especially in like a team of a little bit of like misfit style, like people that don't always know each other. Um, and that's fine. I have a great time like hanging out with them and I'm trying to please everybody, but it does mean later that I tend to realize like, Oh gosh, like <laughs> here comes the emotions. <laughs> like I was <laughs> ignoring them for a little while. Um, and so in the actual team tournaments I've played, if I sat down and said, hey, was this a good tournament? I would say the three major ones that I played were not. They were all quite bad. Um, I will say there is a team that I want to play with that I think I'll have a blast with, but we've never been able to actually play. Um, and then I've played a couple this year that that went well and, and were fun. Um, I would choose to, to do a team tournament again, if that's technically your question. I do have one funny story. I know this. Is, I always have stories. Can I tell well, it? Before you do, uh, so, you know, you try to be the positive person, you said, and then you realized after the fact that you had a, a what time? Yeah, I, I decided to lean with it. I was being yeah. edgy and yeah. real, and I was just, like, sharing my heart with the tens of listeners. Listen, and Caroline, you know what? I have, I have uh, a very <laughs> limited number of bleeps that I can give out per month. <laughs> Okay. Do, do we pay for our bleeps? Yeah, it's it's actually part of a subscription service, and they yeah, only we can give get a Patreon to play for, pay for that. It's yeah. fine. That's what we need. We, I, it's Carol. We'll call she, that. We'll call that level of patron Caroline Swear Jar. It, oh man, is that's a nice double patron. hockey sticks considered a swear word? I'm just curious because you said it earlier. Is no. that a bad one? I said that one? You said what 18 I... double hockey sticks earlier. I almost said something, but I was like, ah, maybe to some people it's not a when swear. When did I say word. that? I don't, I don't remember because I thought it was funny. When in the hell is he supposed time. to know when you said it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Someone roll back you, the tape. You said it the first time, and then literally 45 seconds later, you said heck. So <laughs> in like two sentences, you said like the other one. I was like, oh, maybe I uh, just like, maybe she figured it out. I don't know. But <laughs> that's, I missed the second one, I guess. I, but need, yeah, the, uh, I need someone to make a new Magic the Gathering card and let me know. Like, I need, I need someone to make the, the, both the mana cost, what it does, but the title of the card is Inconsistent Swearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got okay. Caroline story time and then Hawk. And then... Well, I was going to let Hawk go first. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. This actually kind of piggybacks a little bit off of your, your emotional, like, boosting, I guess. I don't know if that's, like, the word for it. But I, th I think this is like something that a lot of teams don't really have. And uh, like one of the things that I try to and I'm not maybe not the right person to be doing this, but I'm like the last couple of times I've played in team tournaments, I try to like talk to my team, not necessarily right before the tournament, but like before the tournament. So like maybe a couple days before, maybe like a week before or whatever. And all I like, I'm trying to like tell my my team like, hey, no matter win, lose, whatever, if you put the work in before the tournament, 
and you feel confident with your deck, you know, like the matchups, you know what the deck's doing, all that stuff. Like, I don't care if you go 0 and 10. I don't care if you go 10 and 0. Like, obviously, 10 and 0 is great. Um, but, like, the biggest thing is that, like, that way, like, in my mind, that way, I don't think that, um, I, I feel like there's so many times where people get down on losing so much, right? And when they get down on losing, it brings the team down, right? So, like, one of the things that I also try to tell them is, like, don't tell the stories of, like, you know, like, if I go, hey, what happened in your match, you know, or, like, what they lost in the match, and it's, like, you know, it's, like, I'm, like, more or less, I'm trying to, like, figure out, like, is the match bad and stuff like that? Like, do you feel confident in that matchup? But, like, when you, when you, you know, like, if you lose, and that's just, you lose, right? But you you put the work in, you know the matchup, that's great. Like, that's that's fine, right? But if you come up and you're, like, oh, I got mana screwed, and my opponent just, like, had everything, and, you know, they got so lucky, and then, because, like, when you rattle off bad beat stories, and you should do this not just in team tournaments, like, I think talking to this way to your like your friends and stuff like that is also kind of bad because like it brings there's definitely something to like positive and negative energy like with this type of thing right so like if you're bringing a bunch of negative energy to your friends like you end up draining a little bit of that from your from your from your peer group right from your friend group and then when they go back they're not as hyped they're not as like happy you know but if like you know if you come by and like somebody's like hey how was your last round you're like eh, i mean i ended up losing but you don't like you know go on this long story of how you got loot, like how you lost and you bring down and it's just like, you know, it's just like, Hey, you know, I lost, you know, I mean like it might be tough for you to be like, whatever I lost, it's fine. Right. But just like not adding to it definitely, definitely helps. And especially in these team tournament situations. And that's why I'm like, if you were just prepared and you lose, that's okay. That happens. Boy, it's okay. I can tell you just yeah. like right off the bat of just, you, you've ever played with that person. It's like, hi, how'd you do today? And they're like, I went six and one because of all these things and that kind of stuff where they just, they, they just rattle off the negative first and then just let it ooze and not focus on being like, yeah, but you, you played three really awesome games before that all at the same time. And you can just kind of, it just brings the energy down. It just brings you down that you feel like, okay, am I having as good of a time as I thought I did? I thought I was having a good time. And then I talk yeah. to my teammate. Grand Prix in particular and magic tournaments are hard. Like we all go to the tournament thinking we're going to have more wins and losses, which just isn't possible. We can't all have more wins and losses. It's just not how it works. And there's a phrase I use a lot in the last round in, in round nine on day one. You know, if you're sitting, if you're sitting happily around the record of like either eight and one, seven and two, um, even you know even six and three like let's say you're in those records where you get to play in the next day you get two types of people if you talk to a person that has a record of seven and two and they've just won their last round to get to seven and two they're often extremely ecstatic they're like hey i did it i'm seven and two grand prix day one woo woo let's go tomorrow then you run into the person that's seven and two and they just lost in their last round. So they were, you know, seven and one going into the last round and trying to play for that eight and one. You're like, Hey, what's your record? You're like, Oh, seven and two. Like I just blew it. I, you know, I, I made a big misplay in that game too. And if I had done that, I would have won. And, and, you know, I'm not saying they're talking about how they got mana screwed or they drew 12 lands or whatever. Like they tell you a real story. They're like, I made an error. It's all I can think about. Like I messed up. That's fine. I think that's okay to do. But those two people are very different people that have the same record. And so I've shortened it to say that I'm a sad seven and two or a happy seven and two. And that that the reason I bring that up is because that happens a lot in magic. The the record, the 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 most recent like results result in the tournament is how people's feelings are often associated with. So, you know, in a team tournament, if that team just lost you need an Eric, you need someone to be like, hey, we tested, those matchups weren't as great, or actually they were pretty good, but let's, you know, work on our sideboarding on those matchups. Let's go to the next round. Let's not worry about our loss. And you need an Eric, you need an inspirational poster of a cat <laughs> jumping saying, you can do it. <laughs> That's what I was I laughing about this whole time, by the way. It was just, just <laughs> Eric, like... <laughs> Like sending his his like partners these like gifts of like positivity cats jumping. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I was picturing. I just, I just picture Eric opens up his phone and it's just a picture of his cat. Yeah. <laughs> like going, hold on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever the poster is. But it's like it's a so really bad. bad Photoshop of it. 
I have been using. I've been, I've been learning how to use GIMP recently. Yeah, that's, the, that's the next thing. <laughs> that's just his wallpaper. Just hit, shows people his phone. Like it'll be okay. Look at Luna. <laughs> so I guess yeah. it's almost Friday. Don't worry. <laughs> a, a summary I would give of this segment, if you didn't want to stick through all the nonsense, is I think you need to find the Shans and, and the Eric's, the ones that are really excited to play and don't have attachment to those like rough losses. And you know, if you have a friend that takes losses a lot, like takes them not well, you can still play with them. That's great. Do that. <laughs> um, but just know, like, be like, okay, well, this is a role I'm gonna have to fill in this in this weekend. Uh, and yeah, the, I just try to avoid the whole I'm X and whatever, and my team is X and whatever. I hate that. It's my least favorite thing. In limited tournaments, it's actually irrelevant <laughs> because you had different cards. <laughs> well, uh, the, the other thing too is, is like, if you do the, I'm, you know, nine and oh, and my team is, you know, six and three, it's like, it's oh good. So did you make top eight then? Well, well, like, but that's the thing though. It's like, did you make the top eight? Cause you were nine and oh, and it's like, no. And it's like, because you're like, you know, like, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you were nine and zero. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there was something you could have done to make your team, you know, get those other three wins. Yeah. Okay. Story time. Yeah. Yes, but real quick, announcing the next level of our Patreon, which is uh, Conan Hawk's Litterbox, where you get cat photos from Conan Hawk's cats all the time. Uh, that's going to be one of the new Patreon spots. Uh, keep an Wait, eye out for it. Is my swear jar? I just get to swear at Patreons. They can pay me, and I'll just swear. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're paying. I want to switch. Can I just swear at people? For, yeah, they're paying for your curses. So when you curse, we can oh. be like, "Oh, great! This bleep was brought to you by Ryan MTG. Thank you so that's much, Ryan MTG. Say. Thanks so much for covering up." Caroline's hotty mouth. Drop the s word real quick. Yep. Yeah. Oh. If they, if they, if they. Oh, uh, if they go, if they go to another level, do they Thanks, instead Ryan. of like a bleep? Yeah, do they, instead of a bleep, does it just turn into their name? That so or we she, can, it's like Caroline's yeah. like holy, and it's like Ryan. You know, okay. I'm, I'm getting some sponsorship deals, so that we'll just have like advertisements play like real quick, so, split second advertisements. That's what we'll do. So actually, I used to listen to a podcast. It was, it was actually a card hoarder podcast, uh, Eric, and they used to have they had a swear bleep, but it was uh, one of their hosts. Dave C saying the word dragon's maze because he hated dragon's maze. He said it was the worst set ever made. And so he often would yell, like whenever he would talk about it, he would just be like dragon's maze. And so then the the recorder producer guy took that and made it all of their bleeps were always dragon's oh, maze. Awesome. And it was so good. I didn't, I haven't listened to the podcast in like three years and I still remember the dragon's maze <laughs> bleep over. So a, I a love little, the idea little. of putting a Patreon's name as a bleep. I was going to say a little known or unknown fact or maybe not known fact. I don't know how to say that. But anyway, about Dragon's Maze, for a long, long, long time, the second most expensive card from Dragon's Maze was the Voice of Resurgence token. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I was going to say, if Dragon's Maze used to be the old swear word, is it now like Modern Horizons or like Throne of Eldraine? <laughs> Oko, Thief of Crowns. Oko, Thief of Crowns. Veil of Summer. That's what we need to do. Just someone saying, just Conan Hawk saying Oko. That'll cover up. That'll be used Hogak. as the bleep. Listen, oh, how, 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 how was your, uh, how was your week in magic? Lane. Yeah. It's like, what oh. About, what about Wizards 2019? <laughs> just the whole year. Ouch. I could just see that okay, though. Okay. Every time, every time we need to cover up a swear word, it's just gonna be like, "Oh, how was your game? Oh, I had a real sh- Oko time." <laughs> it was really good. Okay, story time, kid. Perfect. Okay, story time. Uh, this was a team Grand Prix in Cleveland in a year that was a while ago, and I uh, knew one other person via the internet, and then we found a third also via the internet. Um, we did some prep with some calls. It was a limited Grand Prix. So we did some chats about the new set that was coming out. We did some sealed builds together. Um, we ended up, we made it to a Friday side event. So we did some, you know, playing together there. Um, overall, like, you know, decent synergy. We had one person that was great at deck building, big fan of like, just how she kind of did the different like bombs and playables and stuff. And, and uh, she, you know, I, I felt like the team was going well, um, but as the tournament progressed, as the actual Grand Prix progressed, I realized our third third teammate just overall had some. I'm trying to be nice, just in case they actually they do actually listen. Uh, they like I, I want to be nice, but anyway, they had some issues with whether or not 
the randomization of the game was preventing them from winning, aka mana screw, mana flood, um, etc. So day one, we you know, we do we managed to do well. We I think we finished uh, seven and two, and then we kind of crashed pretty hard in day two, and we actually end up dropping. So we're dropping and we're kind of bummed and we were happy, we, you know, we were happy to hang out together and we were having a good weekend and we decided, hey, let's do a side event. They they had these things back back in the day called rebound events, I think they were called, and so. They were, it was like structured so that when you drop from the Grand Prix, you could keep playing. So they had this rebound event at, you know, one o'clock. And so we do another sealed pool. Um, you are, we're getting a little less with, we're not as excited with each other anymore. We're starting to kind of clash a bit, but we all like that hype thing, right? Like I want to stick in, I want to have a good time with my teammates. So we play a couple rounds and we, I think we're one on one, we're doing medium. And we get paired in this random side event, this random rebound side event against a team of Michael Bondé, Craig Wesco, and Thomas Edenvolson. Um, and Were they you know, all I'm playing... on White Weenie? <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm playing against uh, Craig. Uh, our middle person's playing against Michael Bondé, and our uh, slightly tilty McTilterson is playing against <laughs> Thomas. And basically what had been happening in all of our builds is uh our our third friend was often getting the slower the like not as good deck basically in this format there was often two color aggro decks that were quite good uh, red white was a common one and then there were other like they they were often getting the shoko cards <laughs> sorry I, I we already just went for this episode so why not i'm <laughs> gonna tax out there at brasky over there um so actually in the in this side event this person had asked to have the aggressive deck. They were like, I want to play the aggressive deck. I'm sick of getting the blue-white decks. I want I want the aggressive decks. And we were like, yeah, of course, sure. And so they're, we, you know, we, we greet our opponents. We're, we're really excited. They're, you know, I recognize them. I think most of them, my other teammates did too. And, you know, we wish them good luck. And Thomas just goes, okay, like they won the dice roll. And Thomas goes, okay, mountain. <laughs> and our third teammate just goes this is so unfair i'm so sick of this just gets so upset like i'm not doing it justice mainly because i'm trying to be nice but also like it was a while ago but they were really like genuinely just the most upset they've ever been in their entire life and my other my other teammate and i are just sitting there like playing our match and like I just look over and Thomas's face is just so sad. Like he doesn't know what to do. He's literally just played a land drop. That's... And so they, you know, they finished out the match and um, and that was at my point. My teammate left and that was kind of the end of that. Like I, we didn't finish the, that tournament. Oh man, that's like, a, but that's that's a perfect example of like when you see somebody really tilt. It wasn't that card that made them tilt. It was the ninety thousand other cards. What do you mean before. it wasn't that mountain? It wasn't that the mountain. Was... You really? I know when I see a mountain, I just, I just lose it. I just. Lose I feel it. really bad because I get what was happening. Like you know, this person was often played against. The, I can't remember what format it was, but there was a deck that was just like a little bit better. And in Team Sealed, the red and white cards they were even stronger because there's just more of them. So I understand the thought process, but their opponent didn't know that. So <laughs> just Thomas just playing a mountain and passing was just anyway a little bonus part of that story. I met. In the, the next day in the lobby, I my flight was quite late and I was just chilling. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm in Cleveland by myself. And um, Michael Bondi and Thomas come down from the lobby and they were checking out and they like kind of said like, oh, hey. And then they were like, oh, we're going for lunch. Do you want to come? And so they took me for lunch and then we, we went to the airport. So that was my first like hangout with people at a Grand Prix experience. So that was kind of cool. They didn't hate me for <laughs> the mountain tilt. After the mountain thing, I was like hoping that the story was going to end with like one of them dropping a mountain on the ground and see if he would react or something. <laughs> no, I, I think we tried our best to be supportive, but I think it was obvious we were equally as unex like we didn't expect that reaction to a mountain. Oh, I feel bad. It, it was great though. It was. It's kind of what I mean by team tournament. Like I have great memories of that event, but you know, on the Monday when I'm you know, flying home, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't worth the, like $600 trip that I just flew across the United States for. So True. that's kind of what I mean. Did, I want to find like a team where I'm excited to, to be there and to be 
after the tournament be excited. Do you ever get that reaction when you play modern? When you just like go to play your first land and you're like, there's this tower and your opponent's like, what the? No, I hate all of this. You know, they get up and like throw their deck across the room and. I don't get that on turn one, but I do when I go turn three, Tron Feast, Karn, go. <laughs> like that one gets a. Yeah. Well, despite the amount of times that we try to make sure that our opponents are losing it, we are always going to be trying to be learning it because that's what we like to talk about in this podcast is how we like to be learning it, how we like to get lit, fam. And that is, what is the one thing you're going to do this week to get better at Magic? And you cannot say playing a mountain. What is the one thing you're going to do this week to get better at Magic? Sean, Mr. Toolshed, let's start with you. Yeah, so this week I have been preparing for the WNPQ that's going to be like it's kind of the event that I've been like building up the beginning part of the year for so I've been like really like trying to watch as many VODs as I can and play as much magic with Druid as I can um so I've been watching a lot of like Kyle Bogamus's article or videos reading his articles like the like the gospel you know trying to absorb as much information about the deck as possible you know i'm fairly familiar with the deck but like there's always something that you forget or i, I want to familiarize myself as best possible so this is like my shot at the pro tour for the beginning of the year so i really want to give myself the best chance i have so i'll be playing druid i've just been uh preparing as much as i can by watching vods and stuff like that so uh just getting myself ready has been helping me learn this week Nice. And we wish you luck all throughout that endeavor for yourself. Caroline, what are you doing this week? Uh, So I'm heading off to Grand Prizzle, New Jersey. Uh, I'm pretty excited for a couple reasons. Um, This is a limited Grand Prix. So for some reason, I'm not, I'm still prepping, but it's not like constructed Grand Prix kind of stress me out, like getting your sideboard ready and your deck ready and borrowing cards and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So I'm excited for that. I'm excited because uh, we're staying with, um, my boyfriend's grandparents, so they're you know get to see a little bit of family briefly for a few few minutes at least, uh, and they're actually hosting a ton of people, like thirteen people, so uh, lots of lots of very Caroline esque thing, which is a lot of hosting, uh, and I think this will be the first time for in a while where I'll be surrounded by a decent amount of Sogoi teammates as well. I think at least three or four, so that's also pretty new and um, exciting. I think GP Denver was the last time where we had a, a decent chunk of of teammates in the same place. So that's going to be great. Um, but I think something I want to work on, and I was just kind of thinking about it while I was listening to Sean and it kind of carrying on from the team thing. Uh, it's kind of occurred to me that the last, you know, four or five Grand Prix that I've played, I've actually done well-ish in the sense that I've made day two on most of them. In fact, I looked back last year and I made day two like a lot more than I usually do. And so much so that I'm getting accustomed to it. And I wanted to remind myself and remind us <laughs> that uh, that's not how it works. Like you don't necessarily make every Grand Prix day two. Some people might, but I certainly don't. And so I, I was kind of just prepping myself to realize like, okay, like, you know, this is a tournament that you still have to play in to make day two. You can't just like assume you're going to do it. Um, and if you don't, that that's also okay. Like I wanted to basically improve my mental game a little bit more. Um, I usually get pretty stressed up until that sixth win at a day one of a Grand Prix. And then after that sixth win, I tend to relax too much. And that's, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I did the six wins. I did it. Now I'm like Gucci. So uh, I need to kind of improve my mental game in general. Uh, and limited can be kind of rough. Like there can be, you can show up as your best. You practice 12 sealed leagues and you're so excited. And then you open, you know, four rare land sealed pool and you don't, you know, you spin your reels for a couple of rounds and you're done. So I need to make sure that I'm prepared for both outcomes. Uh, and th- the newer, newest factor is it sounds like Grand Prix, especially this Grand Prix, the attendance level is higher than I've been used to in the last four or five Grand Prix I've played in. Uh, and I need to remember that, that there's, you know, there's not 500 people playing anymore. There's now a thousand or more. So just need to adjust my goals and my objectives this weekend and keep my mental game being strong. Conan Hawk, what about you? Uh, for me, it's probably to stop testing all of my weirdness um that is uh that like i just like been thinking of all of the brews that uh or synergies that i want to test and uh 
you know, because I've been testing those and they've all like most of them have come up like a little too gimmicky, a little too much involved um, and start honing in on better decks and standard and probably just like narrow it down to like three or four like really solid standard decks and just like get back into um, get back to the numbered part of Mythic instead of the percentage part of Mythic become a numbered gamer again, I guess um and then just like remember like you know um and then kind of figure out why those decks are good and maybe maybe go back to a couple of the brews that i had and like kind of solidify what what the difference are or whatever but for the most part just like playing the better the better decks but eventually i do need to get to pioneer testing because i will be going to grand prix phoenix and i think that's like in two weeks from now um so i'll be going to grand prix phoenix hopefully winning an an lcq to play in the players tour but otherwise i'll be playing in the grand prix um and uh i heard there's a really sweet white weenie deck with a nice little combo so i'm pretty sure i'm gonna be on that but i gotta make sure it's good before i do it nice nice me i just need to find a standard deck that i like i don't necessarily have to play like the best decks in standard it just has to be my you know moderately competitive uh but i can usually only make like one or two of those really really good decks so i'm just kind of sitting back playing some janky stuff or just you know not not as powerful versions of decks and so i'm just kind of waiting to see like which deck or two am i going to hitch my wagon to for this amount of time until the next release comes up that's going to be what i'm doing it's i mean let's be honest it's probably going to be esper but who knows it could be something different that's usually the way i go though that's how i lean is just going with that esper control style deck that's what i want to do yeah, the unfortunate thing is the Esper Control deck is like all mythics and rares, right? <laughs> so like yep. it's just like it's like the wild card. It's like wild card central. But mostly, actually, I still, I mean, anything from the past sets, I probably have because I play mostly blue white or blue black or something like that. So it's uh-huh, not as fair. many as you usually need. And thank goodness, otherwise I'd have to probably make another Patreon tier just for Brasky's wild cards. Like that's all that is. That's all that tier is. It's a thousand dollars. Built milk blue black. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But that's going to do it for us for this week. It's been wonderful chatting about Theros Beyond Death. It's been wonderful chatting about the different modes of transportation we would take to get to competitive events. It's fun to talk about the team dynamic of Magic the Gathering, and it's going to be fun to hear from y'all about what you think of of how your experience has been playing Team Magic. Or if you've never played it, what would you kind of look forward to about doing that as well? And you can do that by tweeting at us, at Swagoy Gaming. That's S-W-A-G-O-I Gaming. And that's where you can find us, and you can find out when our podcast goes live by just kind of hitting notifications and following Swagoy Gaming. You can learn all about that. And, of course, when you do listen to this podcast, make sure to leave us a review and to subscribe, whether you listen to us on iTunes or Anchor or Spotify, wherever it is that you might be listening to us as well. And uh, keep an eye out on the Swagoy Gaming uh, Twitter account. You can also follow... You can also follow us at uh, swagoi.com and learn about all of our esports teams and everything else that's going on. And you can learn about all the competitive events that we might have, including upcoming a brand new uh, little tournament that we're doing. That uh, Who has the details on this tournament that can kind of give us the rundown on what it is, when it's going to be, and uh, why it's awesome? Uh, so we got a sweet little league starting soon uh, called the Ver- Venus and Mer- Mercury League. Wow, that's a mouthful. Let's go with VML. It's a little bit easier. Uh, so it's being hosted, uh, being put on by Sogoi, but it's being hosted on a server called Aspirant. Uh, the best thing I would recommend is there's a tweet, uh, likely pretty new in the Sogoi timeline, that just talks about how to register for it. It is a uh, woman and non- non-binary uh, league. Registration goes to January 31st. She makes up a date, I assume. Uh, and then first deck lists are due on February 6th. Uh, and it's going to be pretty sweet. It's actually going to be a weekly based tournament where you can change your deck list every week. You can also not uh, like if you just want to, you know, if you don't submit a new deck list, you'll just keep whatever you were playing. Uh, and you also you organize the, you know, your match with your opponent. Like it's it says who you're playing, but you organize when you're going to play it. I've actually played in a style like this quite recently, and it's really interesting how you just take the pressure off like. You're like, oh, you know what? I don't really feel like playing Magic right now. Okay, I won't schedule my match right now. Like, it's so different. You're like, oh, Tuesday afternoon, you know, just finished watching some Netflix or Tuesday evening. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll play my match for a little bit. It's very different. It's very different than a regular tournament where you're showing up, you know, a Saturday 9 a.m. to play. So I would recommend it. I think it's cool. There's plans to have coverage um, with some of the participants in, as commentators and some non-participants, maybe some Sequoia members. Um 
yeah, I think it's going to be really sweet. It's got about 20 participants so far, uh, which is, you know, a lot more than Brandon's original kind of idea had. So he's really excited. But let's, you know, let's keep him excited. Let's blow him out of the water. Let's get more people. I uh, really look forward to it. If you can't participate, uh, feel free to follow the Sukhoi along. Uh, they'll talk about when they're broadcasting the coverage, um, anything special that they're doing with that. They are also taking donations um, to offer prizing. Uh, they're taking donations, I believe, up until the end of the, the league, which is scheduled to end in like March, I think. Um, so that's kind of cool as well. If, if you, you know, you can't play, but you want to support, that's another option. A lot of these links are all in Sukhoi's tweet history. I, I don't have great knowledge other than just going to their Twitter. Exactly. And you can find that by going at Swigoy Gaming to learn about it. And chances are uh, the information about the tournament is going to be pinned if it hasn't been pinned already for you to look at as well. So if you qualify for that uh, awesome league, then you should join and let us know that you found out about it by listening to fam, friends, and magic. And there's a bunch of wonderful people that are part of this podcast, and they all have different places that you can see their content as well. So let's go around and learn about where we can find y'all on the internet. Conan Hawk, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram uh, at Conan Hawk. And then you can find me on Twitch Monday through Friday, as long as my schedule uh, allows it, from 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time to about 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And that's twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. Awesome. Mr. Toolshed, how about you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Mr. Toolshed or slash Mr. Toolshed. Um, come hang out on my Twitch. or use a stream like between five or six days a week, whether it's Magic or other various games online with friends. Um, it's been popping off recently, so come hang out. We'll have a blast. I'll spout random blue-white nonsense, too, if that's what you're looking for. And Caroline, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at The Mighty Linguini, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. I stream once a week, sometimes Wednesdays, sometimes not. I always have a magic guest, but I don't always play magic. Uh, this week... To keep you updated on something you will not hear in time, I will be playing on Thursday uh, with team leader Brandon, um, and we will be playing some Sealed. Get ready for GP New Jersey. Sealed with Tom Locke and the Mighty Linguini is something that hopefully everyone just feels compelled on Thursday to just go to that stream and enjoy everything about it. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. And that's going to do it for us this week. I'll have to dig out uh, some cash in my pockets to cover up the amount of swearing that we did, but I think we'll be okay. So <laughs> that's all that we're going to do. I'll, I'll turn the lights off so I can send you the cash, Perfect. but I think we should be okay. I think <laughs> good, The lights but... won't come off. We is we is also just a it's it's kind of bold I I don't know uh, it might have been it might have just been one just member one of the cast mm. it might may or may not have been just one individual one individual I don't know what you guys are talking about but okay in oh the... also will we talk about our podcast in my Discord should we link my Discord yeah sure we can talk about that too yeah you can put it in the show notes great awesome. And also, we talk about this podcast in the Mighty Linguini's Discord, which we'll make sure we have a link to in our show notes. So, for everyone else that's a part of Friends in Magic, and for you listening, thank y'all, and we will see you all next week. Bye! Bye, Bye everybody. In, res in response, <laughs> I'm playing a mountain. Seth. In response, I play a mountain. That's the title of this episode. In response, I play a mountain. That'd be, that'd be, good. That'd be a nice one. <laughs>